Get me technical bits ready. I always seek God about what I should bring to you as a message. Because I think God wants to speak to us. This is a tremendous opportunity to hear from God. And so it's important that when we do gather together like this, we do apply ourselves to what God is wanting to say. When, when I got this, the subject of this message, I thought, oh dear, seems a bit odd really. Anyway, I pursued it. And uh, I was encouraged this morning with a couple of things that Andrew said. The opening verses that he read to us as we gathered were found in Ephesians chapter 1, yes? I, I, I don't know the exact ones, but I'm going to read, I think, the ones. Was it 16, 17? 17, 17b to 20, I think. 17, 17 to 20. Let me read these to you again. He read these at the start of the meeting. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called, so he called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance to the saints, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Then when he was doing communion, he, he said the blood of Jesus could do something. Do you remember what it was he said? <laughs> he said the blood of Jesus could be applied to our mind and clean up our thoughts. I don't know if you had the idea of putting the two together. But the message that God has given me to share with you today is how much time do you spend thinking? Isn't that amazing? God wants to talk to you this morning about thinking. You see, that's why I questioned it when I got the message. Do you really want to say this, God? You want to speak to us about thinking? How much time do you spend thinking? Oh, you say, that's a strange question. As soon as I wake up in the morning, I'm thinking. I think all the time. In fact, I keep thinking until I go back to bed at night again, and, and some nights I have troubled sleep, and it's though I've been thinking all night. I wake up in the morning exhausted, and maybe you've had dreams and they seem to have gone on all night. You've woken up and gone off to sleep and gone and woken up and gone up. And the thought process, and you woke up really exhausted. We probably do more thinking than we do anything else, apart from breathing. Now you're thinking. I don't know what you're thinking about. 
you're thinking about, this bloke's weird. You're thinking, uh, I wonder what I'm going to be doing tonight. You're thinking what you did yesterday. You're thinking of something, something. You're thinking, you're thinking, you're thinking all the time. You can't stop thinking. It seems that all day our mind is active. Doing your work, you're thinking. In conversation, you're thinking. Watching TV, solving problems in the day. Reading, driving your car, you're thinking. It's a type of thinking. I'm going to call that processing information. What I want to call thinking this morning is you sitting down quietly on your own and thinking. See, we process information automatically. You're talking to me, I'm talking to you. Yes, thinking's going on, but it's, it's an automatic response. It's, it's receiving information and dealing with the information. And most of our day, although we're thinking, we're processing stuff. I want to talk about sitting down quietly with no one around you, no books, no TV, no distractions, sitting down and thinking. You can think about all sorts of things. I would hope that as a Christian, you spent a good bit of time thinking about the things of God. Daphne sometimes calls to me even from the other room and she says, stop thinking. She says, I can hear you thinking as though my head is making noises, as the, the wheels turn slowly. Or she looks at me and says, now what are you thinking about? As though I'm doing something awful. Why do you keep on thinking? I meet with Dave every week and I have to say to Dave, Dave, I've had a thought. And he grins at me because he knows he's going to get it. <laughs> do you think? Do you spend time thinking? You might say, I seldom do that. I don't think much. I'm, I'm not much of a thinker. Now, I know there are great thinkers. I do know that. They seem to have made a life out of thinking. I've got a book here. It's called The Greatest Thinkers. It's by a man called Edward de Bono, and he's a great thinker as well, and I've read some of his books. It's all about thinking. And it says, 30 minds that shaped our civilization. Very interesting, all sorts, some Christian, some non-Christian. But these people who thought have fashioned your world for you whether you like it or not. Somehow we've, or we think, or we accuse them of living in ivory towers. 
and having great thoughts and telling us how to live our lives. Well, some of them did live in ivory towers, but some of them didn't. So I'm not saying I want you to be a great thinker. I'm not even a great thinker. But we should all think. We should all spend some time thinking. May I suggest to you this morning that the strength of your Christian life may depend on your thinking. We have a soul. It's hard to describe it. It's a very complex thing. But some people have tried to explain it as three parts. Your mind, your will and your emotion. And by far the strongest part of you should be your will. That which you decide to do. But I've discovered that even though people exercise their will, they often do it with very little thinking. They do it with some thinking, some or a little emotion. And so they make a decision with their will, but they haven't thought about things enough. So mistakes are made constantly. A.W. Tozer, you might know the name, you might not know the name. He's not with us any longer. He says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Just think about that a moment. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I don't mean a quick flash. A flash thought. What do you think of God? Oh, flash answer. No, I'm not, I'm not talking like that. I'm thinking when you sit down and you shut everything out and you sit quietly... And you think about God. What you come up with is very important. It dictates the whole of your Christian life. So we come along and we listen to a sermon or we read a book and we let others think for us. That is a very dangerous thing. Everything I say to you, I would like to think it was pure truth. But I know it isn't. I know it isn't. I do my best. But we all need to go home and think for ourselves. You're not alone in this process of thinking. Did you know that? Because God, by the person of the Holy Spirit, lives inside us. And he, the Holy Spirit, wants to guide us into all truth. Sometimes I listen to things. I go home and I sit down and I think, I don't believe one word of that. The person who said it does. 
but I don't. We must think with the Holy Spirit and allow the teacher who knows all things to enter into our meditation. See, some of us are far too busy to meditate, far too busy. Our lives rush along or they're so full of noise, it's impossible to meditate at your peril. What do you think about God? Life, family, the church, life after death, what do you think about it? God, if I've got more than four thoughts about it, actually in my head. What do you think about heaven, or hell, or money, or ministry, or friends, or time, or love, or Jesus, or the Holy Spirit, or on and on and on and on? What do you think? Oh, Phil, you can tell me what to think. I love Bill Johnson and his books. I let Bill Johnson tell me what to think. I think Derek Prince is fantastic. I let Derek Prince tell me what to think. Dangerous. Because they're not right. They're only a percentage right. Dave spoke last week. Do you remember what he spoke on? Don't embarrass Dave, please. Dry bones. Well done. He spoke about dry bones. And he spoke about, it is on his second or third one of these, how sinews have come together and life is breathed onto these dry bones and the dry bones come to life and they live again. See, the word of God that's preached here placed inside of you is like a dry bone. It's not active. But when the Spirit of God breathes on the Word of God, but the Spirit of God can't breathe on the Word of God unless you allow the Spirit of God to breathe on it. Until you start to think about it and start to process it and start to work with the Holy Spirit with the Word that has been placed, only then does it come to life. <laughs> Phil, is this just one of your ideas? Or have you got scriptures to back this up? Because if you haven't got any scriptures, I'm going to dump what you've just said. Let me read some scriptures to you. In Psalm 1 and verse 2, it says, His delights are in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Meditates he thinks, he ponders in his mind the law of the Lord. Psalm 63 and verse 6, it says, On my bed I remember you, I think of you through the watches of the night. Do you ever go to bed with a concept, an idea, a thought, and you and God speak together and ponder the thought only to wake up in the morning with the thoughts still there 
as though you might have been pondering the thought all night with the Spirit of God. I don't know if you have or not. I don't know if I have. I go to bed sometimes with an idea and when I wake up, the first thoughts that come into my mind are associated with this idea and God says, that's right, that's wrong, that's right, that's wrong, that's right, that's wrong, as I'm waking. It's amazing. But if you don't go to sleep with the thoughts on your mind, it's not going to happen. Psalm 77 verse 12 says, I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Do you know why? Because when something horrendous happens to you, your thoughts are already corrected and in line with God's wonderful, powerful deliverance. You don't get that without thinking, without meditating on the wonderful things of God. It says in Mark 4 and 24, Consider carefully what you hear, Jesus said. Not only be careful who you listen to, but when somebody speaks to you who you respect, still listen carefully. Carefully to what's being said. Mark 4 and 10, that same chapter, it says, When he, Jesus, was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked about the parable. That happened time and time again. Jesus would speak in this wonderful, profound parable, and the disciples at least, plus others, they would come and say, we've given this a little bit of a thought, but we haven't got a clue what you're talking about. Could you just explain this to us, please? They weren't stupid. They needed some explanation by Jesus. Now, unfortunately, we haven't got Jesus, have we? But we have the third person of the Trinity living inside. It's as good as, yes? As good as. In Luke 2 and 19, it says, Mary treasured up all these things and she pondered them in her heart. See, all the things she heard, all the things she saw, all the stuff that was happening to Jesus, she took it in on board and she pondered it and pondered it and pondered it and wondered about it and spoke to the Holy Spirit about it. We have to ponder things. Sometimes I look at a doctrine and I don't get it. And I look and read and look and read and look again sometimes I think I can see something and then it goes sometimes I get it I get a truth that God wants to show me 1 Timothy 4.15 it says be diligent in these matters talking about Timothy in the authorised it says meditate upon these things be diligent about these matters give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress you have to give yourself in thought 
to concepts, to ideas, to what God is saying. Otherwise you're not going to get it. It says in Philippians 4.8, whatever is true, etc., think about such things. Think about the things that are true. Isaiah 26, verse 3, you, God, will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Romans 12 and 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is. You see how important the mind is. The mind is so important for this Christian life. We listen to sermons and we read Christian books. But if we read them once quickly or listen to a sermon and move on, the truth of God is not established in our heart. When you have your lunch today, will you have forgotten everything that I've said? I mean, eating is much more fun than listening. Or do you take home something? Something that strikes you and ponder it. Ponder it through the week. Let the Holy Spirit take it and establish it in you. And then the revelation of God grows within the inside of you. See, the sermon doesn't stop here. Only if you let it. You're supposed to take the sermon home and it keeps preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching to you. Remember about those people, the Bereans. We read about them in Acts 17.11. Let me say what it says about them. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. So he didn't mind having a go at the Thessalonians. They were a load of dummies, really. For they received the message, this is the Bereans, with great eagerness, and they examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They weren't prepared to accept even what Paul said. And he was the greatest... Man who walked, I'm not calling him a theologian, he was the greatest man who ever walked with a revelation on this planet and they went home to check him out. I wouldn't. If Paul was preaching here, I would take it as pure gospel. See, but they, they were men of noble character. It says they were noble they wanted to get it right. They didn't just want to jump on to the last or the next thing. They wanted to get it right. What can I say to help you in this process? 
I'm challenged to make this more practical. I had a friend once and he told me this and it stayed with me for a long time. He said, if you work in an office at a desk, you have lots of pieces of paper that come from everywhere on your desk. And you're expected to deal with the pieces of paper that come. He says, there's three things you do with the paper that comes onto your desk. You do, you delegate, or you dump. Now this is a good bit of information, I'll tell you. If you're a hoarder, this is fantastic. (laughs) Every bit of paper that comes across my desk, I read it. If there's something I'm supposed to do, that's a do for me, I put it here. I'm going to do that. In fact, I'll write it on a list to do. If I get another piece of paper that isn't for me but needs to be delegated or filed, I delegate it or file it. Do you know what I do with the rest? It goes straight in the bin. I don't keep it. I deal with it, I do it, or I delegate it, I file it, or I dump it. My desk is clear at the end of every day. Unless there are things that are built up in the do list, I understand that. When you listen to a sermon, when you read a Christian book, you're to do the same thing. You're to do, delegate, or dump it. You will do that with this sermon this morning. I will say something to you that you will say, right, I've got to do this. I've got to do this thing. If I only tell you what you already know in a sermon, that's reinforcement, but you don't act on reinforcement. You file it. File it. If you're not listening to me, and you're not interested in what I'm saying, and you don't really particularly care about development and growth, you dump it all. I do fear there's a lot of dumping going on. (laughs) And there's good stuff there that needs to be acted on that isn't, and it's dumped. And Jesus said this, didn't he? He said a similar thing. He said, the birds of the air come and they take away and they consume it and you don't have it then. He was talking about the truth of God's word. It's dumping it. Can I challenge you? See, sometimes I read a book and most of it is like, put it in the file, I've read this before, I know this, it's reinforcement, and in a book maybe of, say, 200 pages, there's a few nuggets, and I underline them. I want these. I want them. I want them. I've read whole books. Well, in fact, I don't get to the end of books that don't have nuggets in them. They might have been in the last chapters, but I never had enough grace to get there. So I read the first three, four, five chapters, and if there's nothing good, it's all repetitive. 
I dump it. You say, Philip, when you preach, you either say things that upset me or make me angry or challenge me or frighten me or ignite my imagination. If I don't do something, I failed. You wasted your time listening and I wasted my time speaking. I wish I could upset you more. I wish I could challenge you more. I wish I could make you angry more. That you would go home and say, I will prove him wrong. Only to find by Thursday, I was right. I'm not saying I could be wrong. I wouldn't be that arrogant. Do you understand? We go home and we ponder it. The wind of the Spirit blows on it. And it produces lasting change in our life. Where the... Where are the trustees? Have they done the counting yet? Have they got so much money it's taken them all this time to count it? <laughs> Tell them the sermon's coming to an end. <coughs> this is a word for you preachers. Listen to me. Please don't repeat a thing that's been said a thousand times before by a thousand preachers. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. It's boring. It's tedious. And most of it gets dumped. Unfortunately, most of it gets dumped. If you've heard it all before, some of the people you're talking to probably so don't just keep repeating yourself because it'll end up in the bin when you're preparing a word from the Lord you dig and dig until you've got something you never heard of before if it's a surprise to you it's probably a surprise to everyone else and you owe it. You owe it to the congregation that they go home with something they have never thought about before. That they can ponder the things of God. If you say something that has not been heard before, there's nothing new under the sun but I'm banking on the fact if I haven't heard it, probably you haven't. And so as we light the touch paper under new thoughts and ideas, you rush home to examine the word. 
want to suggest three things to you that you go home and check out. Three things. Number one. Number one. Is God good all of the time? Or does he permit evil things to happen to you? Is God good all the time? Or does he permit evil things to happen to you? You've got to go think about that. Take some thought. If you say, yes, I know God is good to me all the time, you haven't thought. You need to think. You need to think. And if God permits evil to happen to you, then he might have well have done it himself. If he had the power to stop it, but didn't, the question is, does he love us all the time? Number two, does God love you unconditionally? And if he does, what on earth does that mean? Does God love you unconditionally? And if he does, explain what that means. Third one, does God have a moment-by-moment plan for your life? Does God have a moment-by-moment plan for your life? And if he does, are you fulfilling it at this precise moment of time? Here you go. They're nice three easy ones you've given us. There are thousands of these questions. And if you just give them a cursory moment of listening to, you know nothing about God. You can only get there by thinking and allowing the Holy Spirit to teach you. There are 50 books out there would have 50 different explanations and you can respect all of the writers and go, I'm none the wiser. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Remember what Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. God bless you.